Let me ask this question. Do you believe that God wants to and can work more in you than through you? This was the question that was asked of me and our parish and our school staff when I took them on retreat a couple weeks ago up to Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. It's a place in the missionaries who run a Catholic Youth Summer Camp and retreats all year round. And they're going to be running the men's and women's retreats um, in our diocese coming up this fall and winter. So we went up there for a 24-hour away retreat. And the two guys that were running the retreat are the two guys that are overseeing the whole um, campus, uh, Dan Demite and Matt and, um, and Aaron Richards. And so uh, Dan, in his talk, one of his talks, he asked that question. Do you believe that God wants to and can work more in you than through you? And then he immediately answered the question. He said, at some point during our lives as Christians, we have to come to terms with the reality that God wants to and can work more in you than through you. But therein lies our problem. And not just as Christians, but as humans, but also as humans who live human life day from day through, we hope, the lifestyle of being a Christian. The problem is this, is that we have all of these um, roles, all of these duties, all of these expectations and uh, responsibilities that others place upon us and that we place upon ourselves. And we're going 24-7 all the time trying to get all of this stuff done. And what we end up doing is we spend the majority of our lives in this way, trying to work through our lives into the lives of so many other people in our projects, in our work, in our school, in our relationships, in life in general. That we never give time for God to work in us. And therein lies the problem with our world. We were always meant to allow God to work in us first so that He can work through us next. And it's His will, His work, rather than my will and my work and what I want accomplished in this life and in the life of my loved ones. So, what to do with that? Well, I had to learn this the hard way myself. It took place several years ago, and it was soon after I became a pastor, not here, but the first place I became, I mean, my first assignment as a pastor, my previous assignment at St. John. And I was there for maybe a year or two, and um, things were starting to go. And we were seeing growth in the congregation. More importantly, we were seeing growth, not just in numbers, but in the lives and the relationships of our parishioners. There were many more ministries available, and we were needing to make room for our little small church and make it bigger and build uh, multiple buildings. And as the prospect of all this stood before me, 
I shouldered the weight of that because I was the pastor. I was the one who was responsible. And so what I found myself doing is skimming on my interior life. I found myself, as my prisoners needed me more and more, I found myself getting up earlier in the morning not to pray, but to start my day earlier with one-on-one visits and pastoral counseling and meetings and planning sessions and so on. And then when that wasn't enough, then I would take the evening time, and rather than quit at a reasonable period of time, I would go to 10, 11, 12, 2 o'clock in the morning and get up and start the whole day like that again. Going, 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 24-7. And at I had reached a point where I was burnt out. Within the first couple years of being a pastor, and I was, I was just dried up, and I began to lose motivation and purpose and focus and being able to answer the why I was a priest. And I started contemplating leaving. Not just leaving the parish, but leaving priesthood altogether. Right in the midst of this, I'll never forget this, I was walking across the church one sunny afternoon during the summer, a Wednesday, and I was passing by the tabernacle, and something like a wall I ran into, and I, I, I couldn't advance any further. And, and, I, and I felt the Lord calling me to him in, in the tabernacle. So I went, and I knelt, thinking to myself, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do a quick little prayer, and I'll get up and go about doing the work that I'm doing, my work of being a pastor. I was going to the sacristy or something. I don't remember what it was now. So I knelt, and I started to pray. And in the midst of that, I heard God say, not in my ears, but much more than that, like to my existence. He said, stop. Just stop. And he said to me, praying is like breathing. You need breath to exist, and so do you need prayer. Prayer is not an option for you. You must pray. And then he said, do you think that I called you to be a priest for you to save others? That's my job. I called you to be a priest to save you. And then in doing that, all that stands before you, I would do through you but I cannot do it through you unless you return to me in prayer. It changed the whole trajectory of my priesthood. Since then and up to now, and I pray God for the rest of my life, I return to being a man of prayer. A man of prayer, not just a priest, not just a pastor. Because here's the deal. What I learned is that a priest that doesn't pray can be dangerous. 
A pastor who doesn't pray can be dangerous. But isn't that the case with all of our lives? A husband that doesn't pray or a wife that doesn't pray can be dangerous to their spouse. A mother or a father who's raising their children, whether they're young or adults and helping to raise grandchildren, can be dangerous to their family if they don't pray. A young man or woman that a person is dating or that you're dating can be dangerous if they're not praying and you're not praying. And on it goes with every significant relationship with our lives. Because what ends up happening in those relationships and everything that comes out of those relationships, all the duties, all the expectations, all of the work, all, everything ends up being what my will is, what my work is, what I think I want and need, or what I think they need and want, rather than what God knows you need and they need. So how to do this? If Christianity and a relationship with Jesus Christ is not complicated. And we hear this right in this one verse that we prayed with our lips and sung out loud in this beautiful psalm, Psalm 95, one of David's songs. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. If today in this church, you're hearing his voice, don't harden your hearts. Respond to it. And not just today, and not just if. Because here's the other thing. When we are people of prayer, we will hear his voice. I guarantee it. And in multiple ways we'll hear his voice. And what Jesus is saying is when you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. So, like, how does that work practically? Again, it's not rocket science. It's easy. Right here, being parishioners at St. Francis, you have multiple opportunities to hear his voice and to allow him to first work in you and do more in you than you think that you can do without him out there. To work more in you than through you. So, one of them is simply prayer. Now, we've been talking about hallow. You can see it up there on that little banner, and there'll be something at the end of Mass, and all of these things um, that we've been talking about in the last few weeks and are going to talk about. They're always in flock notes. They're always on the website. They're always in the bulletin. But Hallow. Hallow is produced by a group of on-fire, Holy Spirit-filled young people. They're in their 20s. And they created this awesome app that tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of people 
around the world are using right now, and they just created it last year. And it seems like every week they're adding more and more content. And all it is is prayer. That's it. On an app, on, you can get on any device that you have. And the thing that I think is most brilliant about and effective about it is this. Is that they lead you in prayer. Because a lot of times we throw up the objection and the excuse, I don't know how to pray. Okay. So now there's an app that will teach you all of the prayers that you think you know or you think you've heard of and hundreds of other prayers that are Catholic prayers, that are Christian prayers, that are rooted in the Scriptures. And they lead you in it. It's all audible. You don't have to read it. Just click on a button and you hear a voice. It's either a female voice or a male voice and you choose. And they're all meditative prayers, meaning they lead you and you follow. Their voice becomes your voice. Their prayer becomes your prayer. It is such an easy and effective way to prayer. And, you know, since we've been talking about this, I've had several of our parishioners come up. You know, I turn, on, um, I turn on Howl right before I go to bed at night. I click on one of the nighttime meditations. And I fall asleep every night hearing the Word of God or hearing a meditation or being led in prayer. And I feel the presence of God. Or I do it when I'm in my car and my commute to work. Or I do it when I'm out on my bike and I'm, and I'm, and I'm listening to something through my headset. And these prayers can be two or three minutes. They can be ten minutes. They can be half hour. You pick the length. But hallow is one of the ways in which we start to hear the voice of God and allow Him to unharden our hearts. To hear the voice of God and allow Him to start working more in us than even through us so that when He works more in us, He can actually work more through us. Another prayer. Seven days a week in the chapel right behind this wall is our Lord present for you in the Eucharist. And I can't tell you, in all the parishes I've served in, where we've had Eucharistic adoration, the countless stories I've heard of people who said, oh my guys, it, it really was this easy. You just set yourself before the Lord who stands before you and just receive Him. And allow Him to do all that interior work. And they talk about then how that changes all their relationships and their lifestyle and their work and their priorities and their happiness and their joy. And you know, we don't have to do it alone and we were never meant to do it alone. That's why when Christ established His disciples, He had them establish a church. And so here at St. Francis, we have all these discipleship groups that you're hearing about and you're going to hear about in the next couple of weeks because all of them are beginning to set ourselves alongside of others who want what we want. Because who doesn't want God to work more in us than through us? And then working more in us, He actually then can work more through us. And all those people that we love, how much more can we have, can God have an impact in their lives through our lives?
because we let him impact our lives first. So walking with purpose for women, and that man is you for men, and alpha, which you've heard about over and over again, and now, not to walk alone as spouses, there's the marriage course run by alpha, which is going to be starting. And our young adult group that we've rebooted, and the youth ministry program that we're getting ready to reboot for our high schools and our confirmation students. At some point during our lives, we as human beings, let alone Christians, have to come to terms with this reality. God wants to and can do more in you than through you. And then he can do far more through you because of what he is doing in you. Let him.